Run into Old Navy Saturday and Sunday for 50% off all Old Navy active styles for adults and kids. They're all 50% off. But hurry, it's Saturday and Sunday only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 215 to 216 excludes in-store clearance and baby. Radio. We're a little more solemn this week because of things that have been going on, and we're going to get to all of that today. But first, let me introduce my co-hosts because they bring light into my life, unlike the Rangers have been doing the past few days. Kevin J.O., wow. wow. the listeners. Morbid, Russell. I Jeez. know. Jeez, goodness gracious. Like, what kind of start was that? I know. Now, now I feel even worse because oh. the Rangers are doing so bad. Oh, man. But... There have been some bright spots, which we're going to cover before we dissect what has been going on with the New York Rangers. I'm going to go for the low-hanging fruit here. I think Artemi Panarin's been a big bright spot for the team. He's played really well. He's living up to the expectations that, you know, he set for himself when he signed that big deal in July. And, I mean, it, it looks like no matter who the guy is playing with, he's scoring some great goals, especially the feed from Jesper Faust um, against the Canucks, which led to his one-timer, was really, really good. So, I mean, with every all the nonsense that's been going on, Artemi Panarin has been really good. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, you also have to give credit to Henrik Lundqvist. If it wasn't for him, you're not really in most of these games. Like, most of these games could have been decided by one goal, you know, if – they actually played decent defense, but Lundqvist kept it from being a 7-1 to game, 7-2 to game. And he's prime Lundqvist. He's vintage Hank. And, you know, the, the Rangers need that now, but he can't do it all season. And obviously we're going to see splits with Georgiev. He's starting, or I guess at this point he started yesterday. So, you know, he's not going to be here forever. His contract's almost up. And it's just, they got to they gotta get better defensively. And speaking of defense... One of the bright spots on defense this season so far has been Adam Fox. I think he's been he's been on the ice for I think the least amount of goals scored, and maybe it's one or two. But Adam Fox has been arguably the best defenseman this team has had, and you know it, it makes the Kevin Shattenkirk buyout hurt less, even though Shattenkirk is playing very well with Tampa. But in the role that Fox is currently playing right now, I think uh, he's arguably the best defenseman back there, maybe. Jacob Truba is a close second, but Adam Fox has really proved to everyone that he is the dynamic skater that they, you know, thought they were going to get from college. And I, I, I like what I see from him so far. Adam Fox has looked extremely comfortable on the blue line so far. I think he really has been a bright spot. Uh, Jacob Trouba has been good, although, although there's some plays he makes that question. But overall, I think Trouba has been as advertised. He's been really solid with a few mishaps, but I feel like that's been almost the whole team. Just little mistakes here and little mistakes there that are contributing to these, you know, games that aren't looking too good. So, I mean, I guess let's start with uh, the loss to the New Jersey Devils. Um, you guys were both there. You guys were oh. the rock for that game. Um <sighs> We all called it. We knew that Jack Hughes was going to get a point. We all felt that the Devils were going to get their first win. 
And, well, the Devils proved us right, and the Rangers just kind of fed into what we were all thinking. So, uh, Kevin, you start. JL, you could finish. Tell us what happened at the Rock last week. Well, it's t- it's been typical Rangers, you know, for the season so far. But he had, like, you know, they did what exactly what they did with Edmonton. They had a good first period, and then they just got overwhelmed. Like, they couldn't handle it. They didn't have their legs. And you can make an excuse saying that's, you know, it's because of the schedule. And which it is, it's like it's not easy. We might see a, a different Rangers team come this Tuesday, or I guess again I did it again yesterday. But um, I don't know. It was one really good period. Then they started giving them a lot of shots. Then they started taking bad penalties, and you know, Ryan Strong taking bad penalties, and you know the team just not playing good defense. Like it was a back and forth game. We knew it was going to be a physical game. Like that hit on Adam Fox wasn't good. At least he had teammates to like stand up for him, but it. It was as advertised. It just sucks that that was the outcome. Yeah, one of the things that I noticed uh, being there was it's just that they they were definitely more engaged than they were against Edmonton, but there were definitely a lot of parts of the game that fell flat for them. Like, for example, they got pinned in their zone a lot. The Devils were throwing their body around everywhere and it seemed like they were faster up the ice and it just kind of looked like the rangers didn't really they weren't really smooth going up and down the ice you know with the exception of certain players like panarin and fox and all that it just you can kind of tell they were out of sync and it it was just it was just bad because they really let lundquist hang out to dry one of the prime examples of that was on uh, one of the power play goals jacob truba was in the corner it was either truba or stall and they incidentally hit the puck off of the goaltender, and then the Devils just banked it in after it landed in front of the goalie. So, you know, it just kind of seemed like whatever they were trying to do, no matter who was out there, what pairs or lines were together, they were just they were just not clicking. And really, when you're a bunch of Ranger fans stuck inside of that arena, they let you hear it. And that, for Kevin and I, we thought we were both going to die <laughs> in there. So, But they just, they were flat. That's all it was, really. No matter what combinations, pairs, whatever, they just were not a cohesive unit. No, it really didn't look that way at all. And, you know, you think that after a loss like that, the team would want to come out and really put together a better effort and, you know, um, hopefully get another win. But then literally the next day against Washington Capitals, Rangers suffer yet another 5-2 to two loss. Um, I mean, it just it, it didn't look any better than a Devils game to me. I mean, they were letting up chances here, and I didn't see much urgency after a game like they had against New Jersey, and it seemed kind of lethargic. Well, you know, you don't you don't play for almost a week, and then you play another game right after, and it's just you know the issue with the Devils game was the Rangers weren't matching the intensity of the Devils. The Devils were desperate. The Devils didn't win a game yet, so they they need to win that first game. So obviously the Rangers weren't going to match that intensity, but a team like Washington, a team that has wins, a team that sees you as not a threat, you have to bring the energy, and they just flat out didn't. I get that you know you have to leave New Jersey at like midnight, and you have the next game at seven p.m. and it's just it's not ideal, but you know that's what's going to happen during the season. It's going to be a lot of those like three games in four days or you know back to back games, and they have to realize that if they don't keep bringing intensity every single game, they're going to keep losing these really tight i will say this though about the washington game is that they definitely were you see i i said this on twitter and i've said this to you guys privately i've said it in our chat 
it was an inconsistent effort that second game because there were spurts in that game that they actually did look pretty good you know where they where they were putting on little bits of you know jolts here and there but the problem with that is if you don't have a consistent 60 minute effort then you're just going to end up falling flat on your face they definitely looked a little more engaged but they definitely did not put the complete effort together and it, it, it bit them in the butt at the end because there were definitely a lot of good plays made in that game. I think the Pavel Butchnevich power play goal was a thing of beauty all because of Mika Zibanejad skating down the wing and finding the seam, you know, and, and, and Panarin playing out of his mind. It was just, you know, they were moments, but they weren't enough. So it, it was just it was just really disappointing. Yeah, and I mean, after two five-two losses, the Rangers go to play Vancouver on Sunday at the Garden. Vancouver scores three goals in the first period, uh, including a shorthanded uh, goal by Jay Beagle himself. Uh, the team was not looking good after the first. We thought everyone thought it was on the way to yet another blowout loss, but the Rangers showed some life. And at the end of the second period, Jacob Truba scored to cut it to three to one. Uh, a shot might have been deflected, I believe. Maybe someone else got that. But I remember Truba fired the shot on net. It was Jesper Faust's goal, Jesper I think. Deflected in front, yeah. And then uh, in the third period, Artemi Panarin gets a really nice feed from oh, Boston. Scores beautiful on, uh, shot. Uh, Markstrom. I mean, it was... Th- and then the Rangers probably played their best period of the entire season and didn't score a goal in the third period against Vancouver. They were on fire. They were controlling the puck. They were in that offensive zone almost the entire period, getting shots through, completely stopping Vancouver in the neutral zone. They were they, they were completely back on their heels. And uh, the Rangers dominated that third period. And was, I mean, it was amazing to see. They lost the game 3-2, but the signs were encouraging for that third period. I mean, we hadn't seen them play like that in a long time. Yeah, but it's, it's too little too late at this point. It's just you want to bring the intensity to the last period of the game and you're down. It's just... That's one thing if you're down by a goal, but you can't, you know, just expect to win the game in 20 minutes, which don't get me wrong, it's possible. It's not, we've seen plenty of times. It's just the way they've been playing. You have to play a good 60 minutes or you can't, you can't like get on a good run. You can't feel good about yourself. You might get one of these chippy wins here or there. You might, they might, you know, who knows, like maybe when this podcast comes out on Wednesday and you find out the, 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 if the Rangers won or lost against Arizona, it, well, maybe we'll see that they played a full 60 minutes. Maybe putting Esper Fast on the first line is a good thing. But, you know, you can't just make make lineup changes based off of one good period. You need to make lineup changes based off of one good game. Well, there were a couple of quotes said by uh, Henrik Lundqvist, and um, he, he said that you definitely – you don't lose a game. It was something about – Losing and winning a game in the first 20. He says you don't win a game in the first 20 or first 40, but you also can't lose the game in the first 20. But pretty much what he's alluding to is, is that the Rangers need to have a consistent effort all around as they go through. And at this point, regardless, like like I said, regardless of whomever is out there, regardless of whatever the coaches do, you know, yeah, some of that does have a bearing on it, of course, and we'll have our opinions on that in a little bit. But even though they're put in certain parts of the lineup they have to contribute you know uh, a certain lineup put together doesn't excuse Brady Shea making a bad defensive play or it doesn't excuse Pavel Buchnevich of making a pass that gets intercepted turning into a goal or it doesn't excuse Mika Zibanejad making a bad play over the middle and having Jay Beagle come down and score a shorthanded goal you know so regardless of whatever's out there they just need to bring the intensity and play a solid 60 minutes and 
we know this team could do it. That's the frustrating part about it is that we know that even with this current iteration of whatever roster they have right now, we know this team can do it because they've done it before. So I think that's the more frustrating thing outside of the personnel issues. So hopefully when this comes out and they play the Coyotes, which I will be there for, um, they, it, it'll be a win. And it would be nice to see that because I think from there, the younger guys can relax a little bit. The team can relax a little bit. I think Panarin said um, that they just – they just, I don't want to say stop caring, but they just kind of let loose. And I think now that they had to go through that and now they've had a little bit of a rough stretch with games going back and forth, hopefully this can be something that they can ride on because hockey is a sport about um, streaks and feelings and waves. Momentum. and Momentum. Yeah, momentum. So uh, I hopefully this is their wake-up call. Who knows? I mean, we really we need to hope that something changes soon. Uh, I really hope by the time you're listening to this that they've had a dominant win against the Coyotes because this team badly needs it. And, you know, JL alluded to it before, and now we're really going to get into it now, is um, what blame does the coaching staff deserve, if they deserve any at all, and what players are not getting the time that they are deserved? So we're not going to... This sounds like a T-ball home run right here because you're just <laughs> giving it to us yeah um i mean look, look. we gotta we gotta be honest with ourselves the only reason we're upset at the lineup right now is because the rangers aren't winning if the rangers won their last four games instead of lost their last four games even with brendan smith in the certain spots even if yesterday fast was starting the first line we wouldn't be complaining because we're getting good results exactly that, that being said i don't want a defenseman playing on the second or third line i don't want our 21 year old center playing on the fourth line with two people who don't really rightly deserve to be on the AHL roster at this point. And I don't want to see this kid who's lighting up the AHL stay in the AHL in Filipino. So it's just, we need to see changes. But this is the thing. It's been four bad games. It's been one close game out of all those four. At what point do we say, okay, now the, now it's DQ's fault. I think it's another few games I think now that they're on a regular schedule, we can really see what they're made of. It's just, it's a, it's a tough decision. You can't really blame them yet because it's still so early. It's still October. So, I mean, like, like I'm, I'm sure JL agrees with me with this. It's just, you're going to blame DQ if they lose, but, you know, at a certain point, you don't want Brendan Smith on the team because he's not supposed to be on the team. You don't want Michael Haley on the fourth line because he's not on the fourth line. Absolutely. And, you know, the first person that always gets the blame is is the coach and you know he does deserve some of the blame because you know they maybe something can change if he plays leah sanderson on the second line like kevin said brendan smith really the rangers really don't need him and that's just the honest honest to god's truth you know i mean he probably has a lot of you know weight in the locker room but ideally Brendan Smith is not part of the Rangers future. And I don't think any Ranger fan really wants to see him going forward. That being said, not only, you know, and same thing goes for Michael Haley too. Michael Haley, you know, I'm sure he earned his chops or whatever in training camp, but realistically he shouldn't be on this roster. Now that being said, now that we pretty much all can agree that those players really shouldn't be here. I think Quinn shouldn't get as much flack as he does because he has to make do with what he's given. 
And he's not going to go out and say, oh, well, this guy sucks and that guy sucks. No. Okay. There are players who are underperforming right now. Everybody's underperforming. So like Kevin said, it just looks bad. And if they were playing well, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Yes, we want Leah Sanderson to play up on the second line. Yes, we do. But what, who? First of all, who are we to know what goes on behind closed doors? Maybe there's a facet of his game that we don't see, that the coaches see. Remember, these guys are expert evaluators. You know, maybe he's getting marching orders from up top to tell him, "Look, you need to do it this way," because that realistically happens. You know, so while we don't necessarily agree with a lot of what's there, we have to remember it's still early. This team is fully committed to a rebuild, and. You know, like Ant has said many times in his articles and in a lot of the stuff that we published, these young guys will be here sooner rather than later. You know, so let's let's kind of back off the ledge a little bit because, you know, now here's another thing that that I I think that I think of too. So let's say we do bring up Kratzov and Heedle and Anderson. Great, I would love to see that. How are how are some of these same fans who are overreacting to this going to react? When Kratzoff's not doing well on the third line in the NHL, or when Anderson doesn't do well on the second line, what's going to happen? Mind you, well, these are the same just, these are the same fans that were calling for Anderson's head last season. So we just just look at some of these fans that are saying, "Oh, Kako's a bust." It's been six games. That's ridiculous. He's eighteen. You, I, I get that you you know he's not scoring four goals like Austin Matthews, but. Look, he's playing on the second line. He's looking really good. He still needs to get used to this high-paced offense. Like Quinn said, there's a lot of things he hasn't done before that he has to jump in and do right away. Absolutely. And, we're asking him. and it's not that he doesn't think he can't do it. He just knows it's a lot. So it's just, again, pump the brakes. We're not in a year where we're going to win. We're in a year where, like Jay said, we're in a rebuilding year. And I know it's frustrating. I know you guys are excited to see Panarin score and Zbadja score and Kako score and Fox and Truba and everybody score. But there's still you gotta think how many of these guys are new? How many of these guys haven't played together yet? Artemi Panarin has not played with these guys. Jacob Truba hasn't played with these guys. Capo hasn't played. Uh Adam Fox hasn't played. Uh did I say Jacob Truba? Yes. I did say Jacob Truba. <laughs> Adam Fox. I'm, I'm thinking Libor Hayek. Alibor Hayek you can really throw in there you know, too. He's playing but pretty much with a different D partner. You know, it's just all of these guys who hasn't haven't played a full season or even half of a season with these guys with each other before. It's going to take time to play against full teams that have been together. It's not just saying, "Oh, I added the superstar forward in the offseason. Let's see how well he does." And yeah, if he doesn't produce in the first ten games, I'm going to be upset because he's a veteran. But you know, you bring an 18 year old here, and you know he's not producing right away because a he barely speaks the language. B you know, he's on a smaller ice service and see he's playing things, positions he's never played before. It's just, you know, there's growing pains. He's a great prospect. He has a great high ceiling. In hopefully a month from now, we're not talking about this, but if, even if we are, it's not a big deal. He's 18 years old. All right. Well, I, I enjoy the little bit of optimism from the both of you. Thanks. Are you going to shoot us down? I, I, I Please that. don't, because I will barter with you back and forth on this. <laughs> but there's some problems that we need to discuss. There's some problems that we need to talk about here. And the first problem we're going to bring up is accountability. Now, we've seen a lot of mistakes being made these past few games, okay? And it seems, you can both agree to this, that some players seem to have a very, very much longer leash than other players do. Now, 
I want to preface before I start what I have to say, saying I really like what David Quinn did with his team last year. I like how he took the team that no one believed in. And even though they might not have been the best team, they did fight in and out every single night. They fought their way to whatever wins they got. And even their losses weren't so bad because that team really fought last year. And I really like what David Quinn brought out of them. But this season, I'm not quite sure what's going on. And I don't think it's entirely not fair to question him even this early in the season. Now, one example I want to bring up is Kirby Doc was picked third overall by the Chicago Blackhawks this year. Kirby Doc just got over his injury, and immediately Kirby Doc is put with Dylan Strom and Patrick Kane today. Now, why is this important? Why does this matter to us? Well, the highest center prospect the Rangers picked in the past few drafts was Leah Sanderson, who's picked seventh overall. And Leas has done nothing but improve his game. He's done nothing but impress. And he's actually one of the few forwards on this team during the stretch who is driving possession while he's on the ice. Now, I think that's someone who deserves a shot, who deserves a chance to work with some skilled players on the top two lines. I think that um, the coach is being a little unfair to the kid. Um, and I think that Brett Howden has a very, very long leash. Now, this is not to say I don't like Brett Howden. I think Brett Howden can be a very effective bottom six player. But I do not think that Brett Howden is a top six player. And I really would like to see what Leah Sanderson could do with two skill guys because when he plays with skilled players, he is a good player. Um, the second thing that I really would like to bring up is Kevin alluded to it before and so did JL, is having a seventh defenseman play third line left wing. Now, I don't really know what world this makes sense in, and I really don't understand the reasoning. Um, you could say it's for a showcase. You could say it's for a lot of things. But if you really want to help the development of some of these kids, you know, you want to help Kako, you want to help Howden, you want to help Leas, uh, you want to help Lemieux, I don't think pairing them with guys like Michael Haley and Brendan Smith is doing much to help their development in the NHL. Um, you know, there were points during the games when we were seeing Brendan Smith on the power play late in games, we were seeing him playing with Kako a little bit, and I just don't see how that really helps anyone's uh, development for the young kids on the team by basically pigeonholing a guy into a role that he's really not meant to play. Philip Edel is playing really well down in Hartford, and this team is struggling. Um, I don't think management wants to bring Philip Edel up this quick, but I think if this continues and these lines kept putting in a blender and things just aren't working with seemingly any combination, you need to take a chance and bring up the kid who's straight up dominating people down in the AHL. You know, he's proving he belongs up here. He's proving that he wants to be here on the big club. And what do you have to lose if this kind of stretch continues and you put him with Capo Caco and you see what the both of them could do and have these two creative guys work with each other? Now, before I hand things back over to these guys, I just want to say I really do hope David Quinn turns it around because I like David Quinn. I think David Quinn is a good coach, and I think he knows how to get the right things out of his players. But this early in the season, and yes, we're only six games in, it's a little concerning with how much leash certain players have, just what accountability means to certain players, and the development of the young kids playing with people that probably won't help their development. I think it it's a more it, it, you're absolutely right on a lot of what you say. It, it's not terribly beneficial to have a guy like Leah Sanderson play with a Brennan Smith who is essentially, you know, uh a defenseman playing fourth line forward. That being said, 
one of the things you have to count is this team, like you said, preaches accountability, preaches development. Maybe the way they're trying to get through to Anderson is different than the way they get through Brett Howden. Okay. There's a lot of factors in the way that they're going about. And and you are absolutely right on a lot of your points that doesn't necessarily help in terms of putting Anderson on the fourth line. It's definitely not the best decision in the world, but maybe there's something that we don't know about. That being said, it's not something that I, you know, like you really like because I would love to see him on the second line. But at the end of the day, the organization wants to make sure that they don't make the same mistakes they did back in the late 90s when they had all these prospects and they kind of rushed them up, you know. You look at Manny Malhotra as a perfect example, you know. He got rushed and it took him a while for him to develop. Now, do I necessarily agree with Brendan Smith playing with Leah Anderson and him being used in different roles? I do not. But you have to remember, he's trying to make use of what he currently has and until the management decides all right we have to come in and bring these guys in he has to do his best to make sure that he can get the best out of his players now another thing i want to touch on is this is more of the fans reaction on twitter than everything you know we got a lot of people comparing him to elaine vigneault that's that's totally an unfair assessment because the teams that elaine vigneault was given they were supposed to win now. And for the majority of his tenure, they did. He did make some questionable decisions. Yes, he did. But you're taking a guy like Quinn, whose teams we know aren't expected to win. It's just a development process. I think people need to understand that and see that. I was on Facebook and I'm reading, we need to fire Quinn and this and that and the fourth. And I'm saying, wait a minute. Do you not understand how far a lot of players on this team have gone in their development alone with Quinn just being there? Zibanejad, Buchnevich, D'Angelo, you could even say Kevin Hayes. Chris Kreider had his best statistical season last season with Quinn under the belt. Kevin Shattenkirk, for most parts, was pretty good when Quinn came around. You know, may not have been the best ideal defenseman, but he was still pretty good. And there's tons of other players, too, that were far better with Quinn than they were with A.V. Fox with the strong start he's had, Hayek, how good he's Exactly. Up and down, it's just, there are guys that have looked good, it's just, he's not able to piece it all together to get it. Well, that's that's what you get with a young team, though. That's what you get with a young team. I mean, I'll keep saying the schedule sucks. Yeah, no, it's it's not the best. It's not the best, and until we start seeing three games a week, you know, at least two games in like a four-day span, you know, we're not going to see consistent play. And, you know, it sucks to see Leas down there. It really does. And, you know, the first thing that i rather – I'd rather see Leas play on the second line before they bring Heedle up. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be a lot better, you know, for Quinn as like, you know, a coach to be like, okay, let me play this guy that I have already instead of, you know, bringing Heedle up. And then what, what am I going to do? Put – Leas answer on the fourth line with Lemieux and and Smith now. Now that has to shift everybody else down, and it's just it's 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 annoying, and it's just it sucks that all of these like you have all this talent and you have high expectations, and the Rangers have such a good off season that they're not doing what you would like them to do. It's just again you gotta have tempered expectations. It's bad. I can't like all we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put everything to a magnifying glass. And analyze every little thing and why it's bad and why we don't like it and all the only good things that we see out of this. But again, we have to realize that you know 
I'll say this. I'll say this one thing. Brendan Smith does not belong on this team. Agreed. Agreed. Period. Yes. So everything else, though, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And you know what? To be fair, the only reason he's playing every day is, and I hate to bring this up again, it probably is because (laughs) of a trade. And if it's not, we're probably going to see him gone in the next two months. It's just that's just a matter of fact. It's the contracts keeping him here. If it was for the contract, he'd be gone by now. And, And you know what? To be fair, just to add on to that. You know, as much as we don't necessarily like it ourselves, as a fourth line forward, he hasn't really been the worst. He hasn't been the best, but he hasn't been the worst. And yeah. and to add, Quinn Quinn does have trust in Anderson. Let's not forget that. Why? Because he's putting him on the penalty kill. It's a banajan. So I think mm-hmm. when it comes to that, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to slowly they're build trying, his confidence. Because yeah, That's exactly. And I think if you look at the way Anderson was last season, you know, he's a totally different player then than he was now. So I think what they're trying to do is bring him along slower than some of the other prospects. And frankly, if that's the case, I think that's great. Because if you want to thrust him in there, I, I again, I want to see him on the second line, as do you, as does Russ, as does many of us Ranger fans. But when you're looking at it on the developmental side, you're not trying to completely thrust him in on this new thing that he's going along because he's getting a lot of tips from Zibanejad and he's yeah. changed the way that he's played. And He's also playing every game. Yeah, it's not like he's being scratched game. either. It is troublesome that he does have partners in Haley and, and, and Smith. I would like to see Brendan Lemieux there. I would like to see Jesper Fast there because they are better players have a better third line instead, but we also have to realize, you know, like JL said, there probably is some sort of trust. He's trusting to be more defensive. He's getting the defensive zone faceoffs. He's trying to have battles, and it's not ideal, but, you know, it could be worse. He could be playing so bad that we're noticing how bad he's playing, where it's like, wow, he's given up three – he's giving three giveaways and that all led to goals in the defensive zone. So, you know, it, 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 it's always it's always worse. This always could be worse, but I think I think at this point Leas is in a good spot. It's just the sooner the better for the fans that he moves up. The other thing I need to bring up here before I say well, other things I have to say is that before the season began, when they were having their press conferences, um, Jeff Gordon and David Quinn both made a point that they really wanted to try to make the playoffs this year. Now, okay, it's a good goal to have. And I think that with the right lineup, the Rangers could actually make a run in a wild card spot. But that's the problem we're having here. Is you tell your fans, you tell the press, that your goal this year is, is to make the playoffs get close to the playoffs, okay? At the same time, you say you want to put your best lineup every night. Um, I don't think the best lineup they can put forward every night is being utilized in the correct way. And as we've been saying, but, you know, Brendan Smith, you guys are right. When he plays the role he plays on the fourth line, he can be an okay player. But the problem is, I guess my problem is not so much Brendan Smith. It's the problem is that, like I said before, it's the people that play with Brendan Smith. If Brendan Smith was playing with, like, Greg McKegg and Michael Haley on the reg on a fourth line right now, okay, fine, sure. Like, that's okay. But if you tell your fans before the season, you tell the press that your goal is to make the playoffs, get close to the playoffs, and you're putting out a lineup like you're putting out now where you're constantly putting things in the blender, 
and you're constantly switching guys. And even between periods, things are getting switched up. And, okay, you're trying to get something that works. I get that. But at the same time, I feel like it's not rocket science to put your skill guys with your skill guys and roll the dice in a season when you really want to see what you have. Now, at the same time, down in Hartford, besides Filipino, but Tyler Krausaw seems that he's finally getting it, which is really good to see, and that hopefully this KHL uh, nonsense stops and he stays in Hartford and he keeps improving. Uh, Sean Day has looked good down in Hartford, which is nice to see. Hopefully he can turn into something, because uh, he had very high expectations when he originally entered junior hockey. And Ryan Lindgren has looked fantastic down in Hartford as well. Um, what I don't understand is if you are still rebuilding... Send Smith down to the minors. Give one of these kids who are having a really good year, and Ryan Lindgren, who was admitted by Quinn and Jeff Gordon that he was really close to cracking the opening night roster, who's playing really well in the AHL, why doesn't he get a shot somewhere along the line here? You know, if Vitaly Krausov keeps playing well and he puts up a few more points the next few weeks... Why not roll the dice with another guy who could really help you out in a slump like this? So my whole point is, is they want to put the best team out on the ice every night. There's a way to do that, and I don't feel like they're utilizing every avenue of putting their team together that they can in the proper way. You're you're definitely hitting a lot of right notes on what you're saying. And I think when... You have to understand, too, when an organization comes out and signs a couple of big guys like Panarin and Truba, you know, they're not just going to go out and say, well, we got this guys, hey, we got these guys in. We're just going to not win. They've stated that they want to play competitive and they've been hopeful that they've wanted to get a wild card spot. That being said, you know, JD has said on numerous occasions that he doesn't want to rush the rebuild. He wants to make sure that this is done right. He said that in his introductory press conference, and he said it many times after the fact. So I think what the thing that they're trying to do is, again, you say, why aren't they bringing some of these guys up? Well, you know, when they plan this rebuild, they're pretty much planning it three, four ahead, three, four years ahead of time in terms of who they want on this team. A lot of these guys are controllable. So when you have guys like Mark Stahl and Brennan Smith in the way, realistically, there's really nothing much you can do outside of play them until someone either bites or they run their contract out. Now is burying Brendan Smith an option? Yes, it is. And even though they do have some cap space, it's definitely an option, but it really doesn't help as much as people think it does in terms of letting a player play yes fine but think about it if you're a player oh look because the fans don't like him or because you know he's this guy he's gonna get buried for what reason there's a bigger ripple effect when it comes to just getting rid of somebody just to get rid of them that being said is it a bad option no it's not the ramifications from it we really don't know but I think he said we're still early. We need to see more of Kratzov. Hedl's definitely dominating, so he should be here sooner rather than later. More than likely, it'll probably be Haley or McKegg will be the casualty of his call-up. 
And I think what they're trying to do is, like I said before, is they're just trying to ease into everything. And they know what's going on. So I think they're just trying to take it in a different direction, make sure everything is going the way that they want it to go. It may not be to our liking, but I think with the patience they're trying to show Kratzoff and Hedl, Hedl definitely got the message. So he should be here soon. And he will be here soon. With the other ones, who knows? Maybe they trade Mark Stahl. Again, I, I'll go back to the Nemestikov trade. None of us knew that trade was going to happen. We all thought Vladdy was going to be here till February. And then after the second game, boom, he's gone. So things can change from here to uh, from here, October, all the way to even December, so to speak. You know, like, so maybe they end up becoming a halfway decent team at the beginning of January. I mean, the St. Louis Blues were able to pull it off. I mean, granted, that was a really elite run, but I mean, it doesn't really take, it takes a pretty good two weeks in order to stay in it. So you're right on a lot of points. I just think, like I said, they're just trying to slowly do this. And a lot of fans are. I'm not saying I'm just saying in general a lot of fans don't seem to be patient with it. Some fans do, some fans don't, but I think at the end of the day they they're definitely trying to do the right thing. In term like in terms of putting out the best lineup, I do agree with you on that. It is it's not their best lineup out there, but I mean, he has to make do with what he has. They have to make do with what they have. You know, maybe there's qualities that a Smith or a Haley or even a McKeg bring to the clubhouse that we don't see, you know? We only react as fans from what we see and what are given to us and what has been told to us by reporters, you know? Maybe uh, Brendan Smith is giving Leah Sanderson the best life advice possible and turns him into a better player. A perfect example of this is actually Johan Santana with the New York Mets, and I hate to divert to baseball, but it... it, it, it... No, 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 no baseball. No, 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 just, just hear me no, out. No, just hear no, me no. out. Just No, 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 no. no. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. It's going to be brief. Johan Santana... No, it's, I doubt it. No, 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 it is going to be brief. Johan Santana was at the end of his career, and it the Mets didn't really have any good use for him, but they stuck him around. What pitcher ended up benefiting from him the most? Jacob deGrom. Mm. So you can kind of see it that way. I think as much as I hate to say this, it's Brent Smith does seem like a good role model for these guys only because he does what he's told. He's doing everything to stay on this team. They're like, you're not going to be a defenseman. If you're going to be here, you're going to be a seventh defenseman and we'll get someone else to play forward. So like, no, 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 I'll play forward. I could do what you asked me to do. And look, he's obviously earned... He's obviously earned one or two, like, decent, like, ice positions. And, you know, he's playing a good defensive fourth line, which you want. And he's te probably helping Leah Sanderson with his defense. And he's probably showing these guys, look, if, you know, you listen to the coaches, you come to practice, you practice the way you're supposed to, you play the way you're supposed to, you're going to get rewarded. And Brent Smith's got rewarded. He's got, he got, he got a little bit of chance. And they're like, okay, let's take it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to stay on this team. I don't want to be a part of this team. That's what he did, and good for him. I, I just, you know, it's just gonna be one. It's just one of those low points of the season. It sucks that it's so early that you know they're two and four, and it's not like they're two and ten. It's not like you know they're they've played so many games already, and they're, they're pretty much out of it. It's two and four could be two worse. You could be the Minnesota back. Wild. Could be the Minnesota <laughs> Wild. It's just like all these things. These winning streaks at the beginning of the season they change. It's a changing game. It's a momentum game. 
and based off your schedule, based off of your playing, based all these guys are all clicking, it's a it's a momentum type of game. And Sebastian or Terry Panarin are going to be together because they play well together. Who third forward might be, nobody knows. But until they get that momentum going, you're going to see the turnstile of lines and everybody's going to keep going through and through and through until we find the right combination. I mean, if that third period against the Canucks... Is that's the really one thing I want to you know I want to focus on at the end here, because that really did show what this team is capable of, no matter what the lines were, and I've never seen the Rangers dominate a period like that. It's been a really long time since they spent literally the entire period in, a, in an enemy team's offensive zone. So I mean I hope next week we're talking about a dominating win over the Coyotes and how that led to a nice little win streak. Um, I don't know what to expect in this Coyotes game. I don't know what kind of team we're going to see. I hope we see that team from the third period against the Canucks because God knows this team needs to win. This team needs a little confidence booster. Um, you know, another positive thing I want to point out is that Kako has looked better with each passing game. And the points not by, might not be coming yet, but the way he handles the puck, he had a sequence against Vancouver the other day um, behind the Jacob Marstrom where he was, you couldn't take the puck from the guy like just in and out and in and out and behind the net and just using his body to keep the puck. It was like the goals will come. The points will come. The kid has looked really good. And it's just a matter of finding maybe a little better combination of line for him, but he is going to be a force for a long time to come. Um, so guys, I mean, I think Kako is definitely a bright spot. Uh, give us one more bright spot so we can end on kind of a positive note before we head into this important week. Well, before I get into my bright spot, I just want to add to the point about uh, Kako and Quinn. Uh, a lot of people were disappointed with his comments, but I think that kind of lit a fire under him, and it really showed in that third period that he's trying to play the way that they want him to play, which it's not changing the way he plays, but it pretty much just adds and supplements to his game. Now, bright spot, this team can play. It just all depends if they can play as a unit, okay? And... With what we saw in the third period, hopefully, like you said, it carries over to the Coyotes game. And the one thing that I'm eager to see is how well Jesper Foss does with the first line. Jesper Foss is a glue guy. He's had his chance on first lines before, especially playing with Sabanajad last season. I am eager to see how he does. And I personally think that the Rangers should find a way to keep him around because you know what? Guys like Jesper Foss are integral parts of a championship team. You know, you see these types of players with you know, t Toronto, Nashville, Winnipeg. And I'm eager to see how he does. And I really like the way that he plays this game. It's nothing too flashy, nothing too hard. But I think Jesper Foss is going to be uh, an integral member of this team when they do well. And I hope the Rangers see that and give him a bit of a bump and extension. So you're going to see what Jesper Foss does against the Coyotes. I will be there in attendance. So that's one of my bright spots uh, upcoming uh, outside of all the usual ones that we've named. Uh, definitely Mika's a badger. You know, just from the get-go, you know, eight points in two games. I know it's now it's simmered off considerably, but, you know, just showing how elite he is, he can score in all facets of the game. He can play power play, he can play even strike, he can play penalty kill, and it's just he's looking more and more like captain material, and I think he's the guy to lead the group. I don't know if you saw um, the pictures from, like, the Rangers photo day or whatever. Was oh, recently, it's, it's and great. it's Elias Anderson on top of Mika Zibanejad, <laughs> yeah. and I thought I loved that. It's just that was great. You know, they, they're both sweet, they're bonding, and just you know, he seems like that. Him, Jesper Faust, 
and even Mark Stahl to a certain extent. You know, these are the guys that are the glue of the team. They're the veterans, and they're going to lead this team. I'm probably not Mark Stahl as much, but, you know, he's going to lead the team into this bright future. It's a matter of time. I'm not worried about the captaincy position. He's going to earn it. We might see it halfway through the season. We might see it next year. It's just it's going to be him, and if it's somebody else, I mean, I guess they are more well-deserving. It's just I really don't see anybody else as well-deserving as him. I think Mika Zibanejad will be the captain for too long. I think that um, they probably just want to see how he interacts with this kind of, like, budding new core, and I'm, I'm sure that by the end of the season or early next season, Mika Zibanejad will have that C sewn onto his jersey. So, guys, I mean, I hope you enjoyed our discussion today. Um, you know, we wanted to present our arguments here without screaming at each other in logical way, you know, like, as Twitter seems to be kind of like an echo chamber. Sometimes. Oh, yes. And, you know, so it's good to give different perspectives every once in a while. Absolutely. So we really want to just kind of, like, discuss the issues that are going on, and, you know, uh, we ultimately, the three of us, want the team to succeed. You know, it's not that we want them to stink. It's just we really, we want what's best for the Rangers going forward, and it's good to, you know, don't ever let anyone say not to question things that are going on. Absolutely. Always question if, if, you know, if things aren't completely right. And, you know, I hope David Quinn and management figure this thing out soon because I want to see a, that competitive team that we saw last year, even in the losses, that was fighting tooth and nail to get every point. And I think once the right combination of people are on this team, we'll see that once again. So, JL, have fun against the Coyotes. I hope we're talking about a win once this airs. Um, the upcoming schedule for the Rangers for the next week, the Coyotes are playing them. It's uh, 7 p.m. on Tuesday. They're playing the Sabres at 7 p.m. on Thursday, followed by the Bruins on Sunday and the Tampa Bay Lightning next Tuesday. Um, pretty big schedule coming up. I mean, besides the Coyotes are looking better. The Sabres are one of the top teams in the NHL. The Bruins are always dangerous with two Rask, Brad Marsh, and David Postonok, Patrice Bergeron, and, of course, the Tampa Bay Lightning with a resurgent Kevin Shattenkirk and all that offense led by Nikita Kucherov is going to be a very tough task for the Rangers to deal with. So the schedule does not get any easier coming up. Um, if they win three out of four, amazing. But uh, I'm not I expected. Yeah, not we will see. Um, so <laughs> as always, one out of four, I'll be happy. <laughs> at least two. At least two. I, I would hope. I could see them beating the Bruins more than anybody else. I think. I think the Sabers are going to be tough. I think the Lightning are definitely a foe that you always have to worry about. It is possible to win every single one of these games, like we said, if they hit the momentum right. But, hey, who knows? I mean, we have another week to look at Rangers games. Great. We'll have analysis for every single one. I mean, like, ask us questions. We'll be happy to answer them. You know, questions that we no one else is asking. Mm-hmm. We'll answer. Absolutely. And we'll have our opinions of that are, that, you know, that's not the same as everybody else's. And in the coming weeks, we'll have Stat Boy Steven back on to talk some European prospects. And we are going to have a first-time guest, someone who honestly yeah, should have gone a long time ago. But we've just we gotten sidetracked a few times. But Ricky Milner will be in uh, being on our show soon, our Wolfpack correspondent. We're going to talk to him about what he sees. He has Hartford season tickets. He's always there at the XL Center. And it'll be good to get his uh, expertise and his uh, views on how the Wolfpack is doing down there. So they will be on within the next few weeks, some Euro stuff, some North American stuff. And as always, even when things are dark, remember, it is darkest before the dawn. So let's go, Rangers.
Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. Hey everyone, this is Sharon Waxman. I'm the founder and the editor-in-chief of The Wrap, the premier news source for daily coverage of the entertainment industry. I'm also your host of this new podcast, The Wrap Up, a show that gives you an insider's look at the top stories in Hollywood. Each week, we'll bring you the latest news on the business of movies, TV, streaming, and tech. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you each week on The Wrap Up. And let's go, Raider Nation. It's me, Evan Grote, host of Just Pod Baby. Join me as I bring you the latest news on your Las Vegas Raiders. On Just Pod Baby, I will give you my thoughts on all things silver and black. And of course, you can expect to receive the best information from top-notch guests. Be sure to listen to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Silver and Black Today Media Group. Hey everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did You Have a Bad Day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us.